Welcome to Sense and the Sensibility Talks. Hi, this is Vidya. Hi, this is Sylvian. We are going to demystify a lot of topics in this podcast and we are starting with atheism. We named this podcast The Sense and the Sensibility because Demystifying did not always involve finding fault with the myth. It could simply be about giving alternative reasons and slightly nudging the listener to critically think. And atheism is one such extremely misunderstood subject. Having said that, why do we need to talk about atheism now specifically? There are already multiple conversations about this happening around the world. Um. Good question with Dave. Um, there are two reasons. One is micro con- contextual and the other is macro contextual. See, as the world is reeling under a pandemic, uh, there are many religious clerics who are climbed to cure the coronavirus while the religious places were the first one to close down because they were prone to transmit the virus quickly. We have seen we have seen examples from the USA, South Korea and India. And when people are faced with such grave situations, they tend to go back to religious and spiritual path to find solace. If you remember, we were talking about this and there is a hilarious thing that happened in my family WhatsApp group. My family is a conservative Christian Catholic family from India and few have become evangelical after moving to the US. One of my cousins claimed that this is the seven year great tribulation period before the second coming of Jesus Christ, as uh, mentioned in the revelations. And I read an article on a right-wing website in India claiming this could, this could be the advent of Kalki Avatar. So the problem is every religion wants to take advantage of the situation in order to sell their ideas. And it is important to counter these ideas with rationalism. And the macro context is the rise of right-wing politics across the world. From Brazil to the Philippines, USA to India, we have seen monstrous rise of populist right-wing leadership that are ruthlessly pushing religious agenda and categorically destroying destroying the progress of humankind. Although I I, th- I I always say that this is a cycle in world history, but I think we must counterbalance the religious ideas purported by these right-wing extremism by providing rational ideas. Although there are a lot of discussions happening around the world in Western context, it is important to bring the Indian context to the discussion table. Uh, this is not going to be a one-sided monologue or a Western perspective of atheism but a combination of both Western and Eastern perspectives to have a wider understanding of understanding of atheism. At the same time, in the in currently the world, the number of non-religious people around the world are increasing many fold and it will be interesting to see and explain this phenomenon. Okay, let us start at the very beginning. When did atheism start? Is it when the idea of gods came about or when the religions began to evolve? Um, see, one of the criticisms on atheism is that the concept is hypermodern and stemmed only after the organized religions like Christianity and Islam came into vogue. 
but the idea of disbelief existed even during the polytheistic religions were around. According to the book Battling the Gods by Cambridge scholar Tim Whitmarsh, the earliest writings on atheism dates back to Xenophanes of Colophon, who lived from 570 to 475 BCE. The problem is that, like some other concepts, ancient history of atheism hasn't been documented. Humans weren't monotheistic to start with. So initially, a polytheistic gods were all based on natural elements that humans feared, like thunder or lightning or fire, sun, etc. We can see this in all mythologies and civilizations, including Greek, Roman, Egyptian, and the Indus Valley civilization. Even in Tamil Nadu, we see we see various versions of gods in villages with the same name but different powers based on the topology of the area. According to Whitmarsh, uh, in the Greek history between 650 and 300 BCE, there were around 1,200 independent city-states with different gods, rituals, worshipping patterns, and cultures. The only common aspect was Homer's epics, which didn't provide them with detailed moral visions of these gods. So there were no clergies or priests to dictate people with morality lessons. Not believing in God was considered to be another viewpoint, like believing in God. So this also disproves the idea of religious universalism, meaning that humans naturally wired to believe in gods. So what I draw from that is that atheism can, can be looked at more like rejecting the idea of God as opposed to an option for what do you believe in? Partly yes, partly yes. But the contention is that humans might have been without belief on any higher power. So the idea of God could have taken over, uh, taken over thereby leading to your question today. So ancient atheists also struggle with questions like how to deal with evil or aspects of religions that can't be explained. Like many famous scholars these days, there were ancient atheist scholars like Anaximander and Anaximenes who tried to explain natural phenomena like thunders and earthquakes that are not related to gods or the famous Epicureans who argued that gods don't have any control over human life. So when did this form of atheism evolve into the atheism that we see today? See, yes, ancient atheism ended when polytheistic societies were forcefully replaced by monotheistic religions. I would say Roman Empire's adoption of Christianity is the, in the 4th century C is the most important change in the history. You've talked about Roman Empire, Western civilization, and the Greeks. But what about Indian and Eastern civilizations? It is a very interesting question, and this is going to break a lot of uh, myths in this area. So actually, there are scholars like Hayarth who uh, claim that the first atheists from, were from India, not Europe. According to Dag Erbon, a scholar and founder of Global History of Ideas, Indian atheism tradition is at least 2,700 years old. See, the Indian philosophical school that denounced supernaturalism is called Lokayata, which can be translated as something prevalent among people or this worldliness. Since first millennium CE, the atheist rational traditions were also referred to as Charvakas. So we will use Lokayata and Charvakas uh, um, alternatively in this uh, talk. One of the theories is that Pyro, who traveled with Alexander the Great, discussed philosophy with Indian philosophers and later went back to Greeks and the Eastern Mediterranean and introduced atheism to them. Even Epicurus and Pyro didn't denounce God openly, but Indian philosophical traditions were considered to be more rational and less theistic. Although Lokayata was very uh, popular and, uh, and precursor to Buddhism and Jainism, there was a categorical discrediting of Lokayata by calling it hedonistic and materialistic. Well, 
Lokayata could also have been called hedonistic because they say that Hinduism itself is primarily a bunch of philosophies, right? Even the categorization of the philosophies, which are called Astika and Nastika, do not mean religious and non-religious as we mean it today. Uh, Astika initially meant Vedas based and Nastika meant not Vedas based. You are possibly right, uh, but they are more likely Indic philosophies and not Hindu philosophies. Modern philosophers argued that Charvaka denounced all the other schools of thought and was an outlier. Dag, whom we have talked about in the previous section, and also most of my arguments in this episode is based on his articles, says that there was Ethan Mills, one of the modern scholars in this subject, published a book titled Three Pillars of Skepticism in Classical India. It dealt with three important ancient philosophers. One was Nagarjuna, who lived in 2nd century uh, CE. The other one was Jairasi Bhatta, who lived in the uh, 9th century CE. And there was Sri Arsha, who lived in the 12th century CE. Apparently, according to Ethan, Jairashi Bhatta lived in south of India and wrote Tattva Paplavasimha, translated as the line of destruction of principles. So this book, according to Dag, was discovered only in 1926 and got published in 1940. And he says this is the earliest source of Charvaka philosophy. Dag also writes that Jairashi stated that there is no other world or Paraloka and quoted Lokayata's founder Prakaspati. Dag also identifies that there are mentions of Lokayatas in various works over the years. Say, for example, Panini has mentioned about atheists in his work. Uh, Charvakas are mentioned in Mahabharata, and even Adi Shankara has tried to argue against atheists in his work. So, there is a controversy about, we also know that there is a controversy about Thiruvallava's religion in the South. Um, I don't want to get into that controversy, but he could have been... He could have been in a Chavaka too, because we can see a lot of materialism-based verses in Tirukkural. Um, so, there was also Ramakrishna Bhattacharya, who is one of the most foremost Indian academician on Charvaka philosophy. He alludes that there were another school of Charvaka in the south called Bhutavada, and they have been mentioned in Bani Meghalaya and Neela Kesi. Dag also brings out a study by archaeologist Sharin Ratnagar, who claimed that there weren't any systemic, systemized religion among the Arapans. And we all know about Wendy Donegar, who wrote the controversial The Hindus. And she says that there was the first Indian urban dwellers might not have had any religion or cult. Dag also mentions Devi Prashad Chattopadhyay, uh, who, also, who has claimed that the Charvakas were against the Varnasrama system. That is the basis for our uh, caste system. And according to him, it was not just the elite who had the idea of atheism, but the masses too. See, Indians were instinctively materialistic. Dag mentions in his articles about Katti Padma Rao, who published a study in 1997 that described how the ancient philosophies of Charvaka were, are actually part of the struggles of underprivileged people. And Pragaspati has been quoted by many modern-day scholars, including Jyotirao Pule, while criticizing, criticizing Hinduism and its principles. So Dag also says the Charvaka philosophers were there even during the Mughal period, and they have been recorded by Abu Faisal in, in his Akbar Nama. Dog also writes that the uh, Jesuits from Europe who came to the Akbar's court were surprised by the openness in Akbar's court. And in Pierre de Jarek's Histoire, one of the Jesuits wondered if Akbar was an atheist too. Maybe you would have been. Uh, Dag also mentions examples from the 19th century. So we know about Gulab Das, who was born in Punjab as a Sikh and propagated an atheist doctrine. And he also mentions Piro Praman, who was a female and also a Muslim, who was also an atheist. 
and of course we we all know that we had periyar in the 20th century in tamil nadu who denounced god because of the caste discrimination purported by the hindu religion in the name of the god so dag also quotes researchers like anna chapel uh, who has claimed that the early empresses in europe could have been heavily inspired by lokayatha philosophy from india and he mentions wang junjuan um, who published a book titled lokayatha and its influence in china in 1978 that lists 62 classical texts in china that refer to these indian material atheist schools as early as 2nd century ce wow that is a lot of information to process so then what happened how did all this change since the start uh, lokayathas were berated and consistently criticized for their views aryabhatta apart from coming with zero um, did a lot of experiments to show how earth rotates on its own axis Aryabhata is considered to be a chavaka and according to Dag he was accused of false knowledge now we celebrate Aryabhata but think about when he was alive even now although people are more enthusiastic to talk about the vedas and early knowledge of indians they don't openly talk about the lokayatha philosophy they were disregarded or appropriated by hinduism there were no recorded documentation um, and as i mentioned earlier jerasi's book on chavaka was translated only in the 1920s Uh, there is a reason narrative that there is an hindu form of atheism and they surprisingly quote charvaka philosophy which has been ignored so far it's basically confusing the religion with what is indic hinduism is a religion and there are evidences to show that they have even tried to appropriate buddhism at some point in time both in the west and the east the rise of monotheistic religions and their influence on the rulers pushed prosecution of atheists the rise of each religion can be attributed to a ruler or dynasty who followed it say for example ashoka's conversion to buddhism uh, and constant in adopting christianity are the best examples the same can be said for the spread of hinduism in southeast asian countries because of the chola dynasty and later buddhism because of the chinese this doesn't mean that they naturally adopt a religion but they are forced to follow a religion because of the ruling class in all these periods there were atheists or non believers uh, in the 12th century there was something called holy inquisition in the in europe and that in that period catholic church church wanted to combat heresy and many atheists were tortured and executed during the victorian era atheists were imprisoned and there was an elected mp charles broadlaw who couldn't sit in the parliament because he refused to take oath with the bible charles broadlaw was a close associate of annie besant and he co-founded national secular society with her Anibasan moved to India and started the Theosophical Society in Nashville, well, Madras, as we know. So that's how it all started. But all of this changed with Karl Marx and the rise of communist ideology in the West. And we will talk about it in the next episode. <laughs>